and claiming our inheritance. But I just feel like there's a, there's a moment, especially after this morning, where God, God really is wanting to, 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 living in the land or living in your inheritance, you, you need an anointing to do that. You can't, you can't just, uh, you can't live in the land by your own strength. And in fact, what we do is when we try to do it by our own strength, we actually burn out. When you try to do it on our own strength, we, we kind of got to get unglued and then we get disappointed and we get angry with God. But actually we've left God out of it and we've actually tried to do it on our own. And, and I think what we've got to learn as a community and as a people is that everything that God calls us to do, He expects us to do with His power. He doesn't expect us to do it with our strength. He expects us to do it with intimacy and in partnership and in participation with Him but he is the one that gives the power, not us. And it seems like quite a simplistic thing to say. You think, well, Stan, surely you've got some bigger, better revelation than that. No, I haven't, because we don't live that. And we can have heard it a lot of times, but we don't live it. And until we live it, until it actually becomes part of our lives where that's the way we live life, actually we need to be told it over and over and over again until it gets into our ears, through our mind, and into our hearts, and we actually realize we can't do anything without God. We can't move without God. And so I want to I briefly have a look at the anointing tonight in terms of being anointed to do what God's called you to do. And if I said to you, if I said to you, God expects you to, to tirelessly work for, in social justice projects, some of you. If I said to you, God's called you to preach the kingdom and preach the gospel of the good news to the poor. If I said to you, God's called you to take broken people and minister to them. If I said to you, God's called you to take people that have been in deep loss and in deep just mourning, and God's expecting you to minister to them. You think by cheapest stand, that's quite hectic. Well, I want to tell you that it's not actually hectic, because I'm going to read a scripture right now, which tells us that actually we're meant to be doing that. And uh, if it's scary, it's wonderful. If you're overwhelmed by some of those statements, that's wonderful because now you need God to do it. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to have a look at this thing called the anointing. And uh, in the New Testament, it talks about it a number of times. And then I want to go back into an Old Testament text, have a look at it, and then go back to the New Testament and have a look at what it says about Jesus around that. So if you can turn your Bible to uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, that would be good. And after that, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, I just want to read some text just to, just to show you what the Bible says about these things. It's always good to know what the Bible says so that we base our faith on what God is saying, not just on our own clever ideas. So 1 John, I'll find 1 John in my Bible eventually. Right near the back. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. So he's talking to the believers, and he says this, you have an anointing from God, every single one of you. Say, say this after me, I have an anointing. Say it again. I have an anointing. Okay, eventually, one day, we're going to really believe that and actually start to do it. But it starts with, 
this thing. But every one of you has an anointing from the Holy One. Every single one of us carries an anointing from God. Let's have a look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, a little bit further down the page. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you have received from him remains in you. The anointing that he has, you've received from him remains in you. So there's an anointing that the Holy One, that God gives us, that remains in us. There's an anointing. And I'm going to explain what anointing is now once I get through these texts. Uh, remains in you, and do you not need anyone to teach you? But as, as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it was taught to you, remain in him. So what he's doing is he's saying, actually, there's an anointing in you that when false teaching comes, you can discern that that's false teaching. And so actually, when you hear something that's off, there's an anointing, there's, a res there's, a, there's, a, there's an ability and empowerment from God for you to know that that's not right. And he's saying to them, don't be led astray. There's an anointing for you to know what's right and wrong. But the point that I'm trying to make is you have an anointing. You have an anointing. The anointing, friends, is simply this. The empowerment by God or of God to get the job done. The anointing is never given to you to do nothing. The anointing is given to you to get a job done because we've got a job to do. And we're going to have a look at what happens with Jesus. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. Just before that, it talks about that everything in Jesus is yes and amen. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us, by, uh, to us, to the glory of God. Now, to verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put the spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So there we go again. It says, he has anointed you and set his seal upon you. So every believer, every person that puts their trust in Jesus has an anointing. And actually what he says here, he says that he's anointed you as a, it's a deposit, of a, it's a guarantee, it's the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, what used to happen was the anointing was something that you had set for, to set um, utensils, set things, set people apart for use by God. And actually what they would do in the Old Testament is they would smear oil over those things. There would be anointing oil that they, would, that they would put on those utensils. And those utensils now would be consecrated to God, set apart for God, to be solely used by God. In the New Testament we have a smearing that is a bit different. The smearing is of a person called the Holy Spirit on us. And that the anointing that we carry in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit. And that's what he says here. He says that you who believe stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. So every single one of us are anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit, smeared by God with the oil of his spirit, with the, with the power of his spirit, and set apart for his ownership, for his purpose, for his use. Every single one. Every single person. There's not a person that knows Christ that doesn't have that anointing. Man, if the church could get that into our hearts and understand 
that you are anointed. When you feel you're out of your depth, it's beautiful. That's when you press into the anointing. You realize, actually, you know what? I'm out of my depth, but God is never out of his depth, and he's empowered me and anointed me. So let's have a look here. Let's have a look here at why we need the anointing. Isaiah 61. And then we're going to go to John, I mean, Acts chapter 10. Isaiah 61. This is a well-known text. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Say this after me. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Okay. Because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me. Say that. Because the Lord has anointed me. And listen what he's anointed. Now Jesus goes and he takes this text and he goes in front of the synagogue and he preaches this text. This text and, actually the, and he sits down afterwards and everybody knows that they actually, he's talking about himself. But friends, as followers of Jesus, as those that are in Christ, we have this anointing. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on every single one of us. That's why Jesus had to leave and go to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And the reason why he left his Holy Spirit was that he would anoint every single believer. Everybody that would put their trust in him, they would be anointed to do something. And to get on with what God's called you to do. And get what he's called them to do. And this is what it is. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. People that are desperate. People whose hearts are broken. People who have been abused, misused. There's an anointing by the sovereign hand of God to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. For those that are bound by darkness by those that are bound by the occult, by those that are bound by the devil. There's an anointing by the, for the church, by four people, by the sovereign hand of God to set those people free. Not me, not one or two, everybody. Because everybody is the ministry team in the church. There's not an isolated SAS elite recce few. Everybody gets to play in this game called church. And he goes on to say, and to release darkness from darkness for the prisoners. That's social justice. Take people that have been put into prison wrongly and say, no, come, I'm going to get you out of there. There's an anointing by God to do these things. And in fact, we cannot do them without him. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor there's an anointing on us to proclaim the, law, the year of the Lord's favor. Friends, where the, the year of the Lord's favor was where people's debts were released. There was forgiveness of sin. There was release. There was renewal. The things were reset. Lives are reset by the anointing of God. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says this. It says it's the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that comes and takes the yoke off of people. That heavy burden that's on people. When we're praying for people, when we're talking to people, and we're counseling people, friends, you can counsel to the cows come home unless the anointing comes and does the work and sets people free. We end up having to spend a lot of time with people or actually they never get free, truly free. 
And this is what he says here. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. There are people that are mourning. There are people that are grieving. And it's the church that is anointed, the people of God that are anointed to come and comfort those people that are grieving. It's overwhelming. When you, when you read this list, unless you know the anointing. To bestow on them a crown of beauty. See, the anointing comes upon us to come to people and say that you are beautiful in God's eyes. But you can say that without the anointing. You can say that just in your flesh. doesn't change anything. But when you say that under the anointing, it's like a crown comes on people and their, dis, their, their countenance changes. Bestowing them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And here we have all the insteads that are by the anointing. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. This is what we need to do. And without the anointing, we can't get to do it. We're called to plant, to replant people. The anointing comes and replants oaks of righteousness. They were nowhere before. Their lives were a mess, but the anointing enables us to speak life and to bring power into people's lives and to release something over people's lives that they again get replanted as oaks of righteousness. They will rebuild ancient ruins. The anointing rebuilds. When we operate in the anointing under the power of God, it rebuilds ancient ruins. It takes long, long devastated places of people's lives and long devastated places of cities, and it begins to rebuild. This is what the anointing does. It restores the places long devastated. It rebuilds and it restores. The anointing restores. They will renew ruined cities. The anointing renews. It replants, it rebuilds, it restores, it renews. Verse 6, and you'll be called priests of the Lord and you'll be named ministers of our God. It recruits and releases. See, the anointing pulls people in, raises them up and releases them to do something else. Releases them into do what they call to do. You'll feed on the wealth of nations and on the riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, our people will receive a double portion. It's the anointing that enables people to receive what God has for them. Nothing that we can do, friends, when we pray for people, unless we've got the anointing, unless we understand that we are smeared by God, anointed and consecrated for a job because he's got something to do. He wants to get something done through our lives. And actually everything that we do, we say, God, I don't feel like it right now. I don't understand it right now. I don't understand the, the depth of this problem, but I actually know this is that I'm anointed for this. And when I lay my hands and I say these words, I'm trusting there's an anointing to do these things. Rebuild, renew, restore, re release. This is what the anointing does. Friends, this is what the church is called to do. As the body of Christ, this is what we're called to do. 
And this is what Jesus, it was said of Jesus in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, they're in Cornelius' house talking, Cornelius the centurion, and, G, and, and Peter's talking, and he says this, you know that what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, from the, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. This is what it says in the message, that verse 38. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. Are you ready for action? Because the church has got to get ready for action. When we're ready for action and we realize we're out of our depth to act, that's when we turn to the anointing. We say, God, actually, we've got to come here. Please come. He says, you, and it, uh, it, uh, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. I want to make one or two points about this Acts chapter 10 verse 38. And then we want to pray for some people. If I can just get back to my... First of all, it says there, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, people don't anoint you, and you can't get other people's anointing. God anoints you for the job he's called you to do. And so when people pray for you, it's not about being prayed for by the right person. It's about allowing God to anoint you and recognizing the anointing that God has given you on your life. See, God anointed him. God anointed him. Not people, not the high priest, not the special religious guys. God anointed him to do the work that he had called him to do. That's point number one. God anoints us for the job that he's called us to do. The second thing we see there is that he anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And it's amazing, he doesn't just say Jesus. He says Jesus of Nazareth. The guy that came from that place. This was a real person living in a real context. Not a special looking man. Not anybody, not, nothing to look at. Nothing, nothing kind of really striking about him at all. But it was the anointing that set him apart for what he was meant to do. If it wasn't for God's anointing power, God's smearing, God's consecrating power on his life, Jesus would never have been able to do what he did. Because what he did, you will see, he did it as Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus as a man, not Jesus as God. And so if Jesus demonstrates to us how we to live by the anointing, you see, we want to live in the land, and we're going to get back into Joshua next weekend about living the land and what it means and how it, what the, friends, it means by living by the anointing of God to get the job done. And what we've got to get into our hearts and in our minds is that God has not left you aside and not given you a job. Every single one of you have a job to do under God. Every single one of us have moments. Drew had a moment with a Muslim guy. 
he spoke about earlier. It was in that moment that the anointing comes and actually something happens in that man's heart. If there's no anointing, it's just a conversation. And you know what, friends? We don't normally win the arguments. We don't have arguments to see who's right or wrong. We speak to people so that the anointing can come and change hearts and minds and set people free. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Friends, we've got to have an increasing expectation to not only know that we have the Holy Spirit, not only know that we are baptized by in the Spirit, clothed with from Hanaha, and that, that baptism is the anointing that we receive to get the job done. But friends, we have, have to have a growing expectation of power through our lives. And we've got to get dissatisfied and discontent that there's no power coming through our lives. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to say, God, I want, to see, I want to see prophetic words that literally shift something and change something, and there's testimonies afterwards. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see all these things happen. I want to see a supernatural business deals come together. Supernatural encounters, connections, moments, anointing under the anointing of God that we do these things. But we've got to have an expectation for power if we want to live in the land that God's got for us. And I want to encourage us, friends, as we, as we, as we go forward in God, expect the supernatural Expect the miraculous. When there's a challenge and when there's a, an obstacle in our way, friends, that's the opportunity for God to break in. And we've got to say, God, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to fall into a heap. Father, I'm going to stand tall and I'm going to say, God, you've anointed me with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Father, this thing needs to move in Jesus' name. And that was the whole point of the mountain, friends. The most immovable object that you could find on planet Earth. Jesus says, if you've got a mustard seed of faith, you can say that mountain move. Which means that there's no obstacle that we can face that we cannot get through. Under the anointing and by the power of God. But have we got a hunger and expectation to see the power of God? And it says there, and he went around doing good. He went around. You see, friend, the anointing that God gives us, the power that God gives us, is not for us to sit at home in our lie on our beds and receive an encounter from God. We need that, and those are amazing moments. But the reason why He gives those is to go around, is to get around, and to do good. He says, and to do good, He says, and healing all who are under the power of the devil. So actually, this anointing is given to us, and, we, and I've shown to you in, in 1 John and in, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that every single one of us have a measure of the anointing. And these are the days, friends, where I believe that God is pouring out His Spirit and anointing us afresh that because the job is getting bigger and more urgent. And the accelerating processes of God are taking us forward and surging us forward. And we don't need just a few that believe that. We need a whole church to believe that. We need a whole community to believe that, to understand this, that I am gifted, that I am anointed, that I have the Holy Spirit and I have power to get a job done and actually I'm going to throw my weight behind that and who can I, how can I help? Friends, our prayer meeting should be overflowing if we understand this. 
should be overflowing because it's in prayer that the anointing comes. It's in yielding to God that the anointing comes. It's through suffering that our anointing grows, can I just say. It's when we go through suffering and we get through the other side and we're still rejoicing in God, something happens in us and the anointing increases in our lives. He was, went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. Friends, we're so scared of the devil so often. But when the anointing is on of us, we're not disrespectful, we're not stupid, but we're not scared. Because when there's an anointing on us, there's power to, to deal with situations. And what the devil wants to do to the church is the, che- de- the devil wants to disanoint or denoint, whatever the word is, is make us not believe that we are anointed, make us not believe that actually we have got what it takes so that we become a passive audience instead of a participative army that goes forward in God. I tell you, friends, these are the days... And maybe I'll do that next week when I preach. I actually want to sit down and I actually want to give myself a proper army haircut. Tennis ball, that guy. <laughs> Tennis ball, just shh. You, you, know, you know, every army in the world, they have that haircut. You know why? Because then everybody's the same. You see, in the army, friends, there's no, it's not about style. It's not about me. It's not about a flick and a flat. It's about actually, we've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. And I need to be empowered and I need anointing. And we need to get the job done. And these are the days that we're living in. And Jean coming in this morning, she just anointed. It's like she released something over the life of the church. And if you weren't there, you're going to get it. The Bible says that it doesn't matter if you weren't there. Those that are there will get it also. So actually what's going to happen is there's going to be an increase of the anointing, an increase of the power of God. The question is, are we expectant and ready to use it and step out in faith and take hold of it? Under the power of the devil, because God was with him. You know that Jesus didn't do anything in his own strength. Jesus didn't do anything in his own strength. He was the perfect model of what it is for a man, for a human being, to be partnering with the Holy Spirit in intimacy with his Father, doing the will of his Father. He was the perfect model. So if you want to know what it looks like for a Christian to walk into the anointing and to walk into what God has for us, read the Gospels, friends. And what you see in the Gospels, that's for you. Even the bit at the end where you have to die to yourself. It's all for us. What Jesus went through, we've got to go through. We go through the cross, we die to ourselves, we raise the resurrection life in Him, and we carry an anointing to do unbelievable things in Him, friends. And we need to start celebrating and encouraging people and backing people. And, and, and when people feel like they're, not, they're out of their depths, they know you are in your depth. Actually, God's got you. And getting people to flow in this thing called the anointing in a profound way. Jesus did this because God was with him. Do you believe God's with you? God's with you. You know, you know what often happens with Isaiah 61? Imagine if we read it like this.
I was anointed so that I could be free, so that I would be released from darkness, so that I could be, have the Lord's favor, so that I could be comfort, comforted in a time of loss, so that I could have a crown of beauty instead of ashes, I could have an oil of gladness instead of mourning, I could have a garment of praise instead of despair, I could be a, a called an oak of righteousness. You know, you know, it doesn't say that. It says that you're anointed to make that happen in other people's lives. You know that. It's, you're given that thing, and, and what happens is God does it in you so that you can give it away. And so we've got to get before God and say, God, please do this in me. Let me find my strength. Let me find my purpose. Let me find my identity. Let, my, let me find you with me. Let me find this thing in you, Lord God, because I know that you called me to go to the nations and give this away. In Jesus' name. That's, that's what we're called to do because God was with him. And I want to encourage you tonight, friends. In this season that we're in now, in this season that we're in now, if the musos could go back onto the stage, please. In this season that we're in now, friends, we're in the army. It's army season. It's basics. Shaved heads. I remember going into the army. I think I weighed 110 kgs. When I had done, finished my basics, six weeks, or I think my parents came up here, they came and saw me. Oh, we weren't married yet. And my mom and my dad came up, and um, I think I'd done, I'd done an officer's course. I'd done kind of, I think, I think it might have been three months. And I walked up to my mom, and she was like looking everywhere for me. <laughs> I said, Mom, I'm here. And when she saw me, she just burst out into tears because I was like just this machine. <laughs> no hair, machine. And I don't tell that story to celebrate the army and apartheid days. Please don't go there with that. I tell that story because actually there's a thing called the army of God. And it's a time for strict training now. It's not a time for beach. It's time for strict training and saying, God, actually you called me. There's a moment now that we want to take, we want to see revival. Friends, we'll never see revival in the city until we see renewal in the church. And that renewal starts in you and me not out there. Revival doesn't start there. It starts with renewal of our own hearts when we start to have the haircut. And we trust God for what He's doing in our lives. So if you want to, I want to pray for people tonight. They're just saying, you know what, God, actually I want an increase of the anointing. Father, you've called me. And, the, and, and there's a couple of groups of people. One group of people is actually you just backed off. You put, the, you put the white flag up. You thought, you know what? I'd rather stay on the other side of the river in Shittim. You know that place? You know that place? Much easier to be there. Just park off. And there's others of you that actually are crossed over and you, you're wondering what is it, how, what a... Friends, you just need the anointing of God to come afresh upon you refocus your life and take you into what he has for you and I'm trusting tonight that the power of God is going to come upon people set people free so that they can go and set people free